Crack Dung Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 152nd episode of Space Spinner uh, 2000. Uh, yeah. A podcast, yeah. Freak out. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's a CL. Like, that's our, or, or CLII, man. Live it up. Um, <laughs> it's a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This time we're covering July and August 1986, progs 479 to 482. This time, Judge Dredd gets the urge. Johnny gets squiddy. Ace Trucking gets critical. And Swifty joins the Sweeties. Okay. Well, yeah, and, all that did happen. Yeah. Also, a nemesis, the warlock goes to a sweet convention. Anyhow, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the complete, the complete Case Files 10, Strontium Dog SD Agency Files 3, The Complete Ace Trucking Volume 2, Nemesis the Warlock Book 2, and the Sooner or Later Collection. Sweet. Oh, yeah, good times. Like, also, I guess, in a ve- eventually the big Future Shock collections. Way too many Future Shocks this, oh, this month. Oh, God, Fox, just you'll agree. shoot me. Shoot yeah, me speak- where I stand. Although I did like the one where a dude wants to have sex with me. Totally. Yeah. Or shoot, shooting, shooting where you stand or possibly where you sit. Let's go <laughs> to through one strontium dog. Rage. 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 Oh, my God. It's time for a dang, ding, dang old rampage, man. Complete and utter rage. Uh, so script oh. robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art robot Colors of Scare. Letting robot Gordon Robson is Kid Robson. The only thing he's rage. missing is a bottle of whiskey and like a shotgun. It's time, God, well, it's rampage listen, time. Listen, yeah, like he can't have the whiskey because he's got to keep focused, you know? He's got to focus that rage because it's not blind rage. It's a very specific <sighs> rage. It's very true. It's a fucking laser-like focus of rage. <laughs> Yeah, a number one cartridge of rage. Uh, so Johnny Alpha is on the hunt for the killers of his buddy's wolf. He's getting close on this uh, planet Dragon's World. He's currently going after a band of, of mutants that could include the evil Max Bubba and the rest of his gang. But the bandits have him cornered on a convoy of weird crystals that are messing with his eyes. All right, oh, so just man. To, Psychedelic crystals fucking yeah, up your vision. Get you up to speed. Johnny decides to even the odds eye-wise by using an electro flare <laughs> to blind the mutants. And, uh, and then he comes up shooting. Of yeah, course. It seems to work Na- really, really well. <laughs> Yeah, well, listen, like, all, the only advantage these guys had was that Johnny was stoned out of his brain on these Carrington crystals. <laughs> as soon as that, like, obstacle is taken away, he just plows these dudes down, quickly kills them all, blows up the final with final bunch with a number four cartridge as they awesome. flee. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. And he does, he, he doesn't look at, like, the burning carnage behind him. And it, I love, I love like the details of the description boxes because it's just mm-hmm. they're they're literally under a sentence for the most part, but it's just giving you just like watching, nothing moving, listening, just a groan, all accounted for. It's like he's just going through yeah. these checklists. He is a murder machine now. Absolutely. So J- J- Johnny checks the bodies, but they're all just lousy norms pretending to be be, be mutants. Racism to deflect blame. Exactly. But uh, Johnny knows that one one guy behind these mutants is um, back at the mines a traitor. He's got to get that guy, Dex Devro. Oh, man, he's going to get his. 
Yeah, Johnny rolls into the mining camp. He blows up the defenses as he goes. He just doesn't give a shit. Uh, Devro goes to flee. Like, oh, it's Johnny Alpha. I must have flee. But uh, Johnny wow. soon catches up with him, shoots his gun out of Devro's hand, and then he just tells the rest of the miners about Devro's treachery and leaves the turncoat to some rough miner justice. Oh, man. Yeah. Leave him to the mob. And you just see a bunch of billy clubs and, like, wrenches. Yeah, these guys are not pleased. Dude. It's awesome. Johnny mounts his hover bike and returns to seeking justice. Dude, I, I love the new town that he comes into. Everyone looks awesome. He comes to the, like there's a bunch of these just these cool, you know, sci-fi western towns that he rolls mm. through. He goes into another one. They're all just sort of blurring together for him. He shows the pictures of the Max Weber gang to local law, but has no luck. And it's a similar situation down at the saloon. But he knows his one guy playing cards has a bunch of tattoos, and <gasps> Bubba has a tattooer in his gang. And it looks like, I guess, the tattoos he did, but not the one on Johnny, though. That's different, because it was Well, bad. I mean, Johnny just got the name Bubba tattooed on his chest. <laughs> but I'll agree, this feels like a very 1986 kind of plot point to me, you know? Mm. Where it's like, oh, that guy's got tattoos, and Bubba's got tattoos. They could be the same tattooer. Because, like, in 2019, you'd at least have to be like oh like i notice like the art style of those yeah. tattoos are are similar to his or something like that you know they're just more i feel like the amount of like the amount of times that that a random dude would be tattooed in 1986 versus 2019 is like way different you know well, maybe yeah yeah I'm just. And I guess I don't how know. many That's tattoo a... artists are there on Dargan Dragon Dragon's World? Dragon's World. I kind of feel like there'd be a lot, or at least like yeah. robot ones and stuff like that, just based on the way they are now. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like every mall has a tattoo place now in America. You know. Oh God! Come um, to Berlin sometime. <laughs> that, but that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, but so uh, Johnny goes to grab the guy, goes to reveal the dude's tattoos to question him. But he also reveals that he has an ace up his sleeve. The other card players that he's playing with instantly shoot him dead. Oh my he, god! But don't worry, uh, you know he's also got an ace up his sleeve because I guess <laughs> he's, got, he's go got the time drogue. Yeah, yeah, backwards in time. I mean, fuck we, that. Like we, we've seen him use this thing before. Like this awesome. is not a new a new piece of technology. And I mean, you know, he's got the time grenades and stuff. Like it makes sense that I if you can it. warp someone through time to kill them, you can also warp someone through time to bring them back to life. You know, that's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. He 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 brings this guy back to life and keeps him from getting shot and demands to know where do you get that those tattoos. Oh, God. It's just roughing people up, man. It's real good. Yeah. So Johnny questions this a resurrected card cheat. <laughs> and he answers. He's got them in, a, in in Redport where they fish for the squiggly dids. Ugh. And says, it was a mutant in a wheelchair. Now, while Bubba's gang doesn't have anybody in a wheelchair, a mutant sounds promising. So Johnny goes, check it out. And leaves but, the guy to his timed, timely fucking fate of getting shot in the back. Yeah, before he can even thank Johnny for bringing him back to life, he gets shot in the back. Time has a habit of claiming its own. And just as an aside, like, I love some of the shots where he's, like, riding out through Dragon's World. Like, yeah. the, 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 like, weird, I don't know, pinecone artichoke, like, giant flora that he's just kind of yeah. like, driving around. It's a very... It's it's a very sci-fi version of of, of uh, Western travel montages mm. like uh, like in The Searchers or or something yeah. like that. You know where they as as opposed to 
you know, John Wayne or whatever, riding through the vistas of that one part of Utah that they, where they film all the movies in. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, it's sort of through the, 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 the alien landscapes of Dragon's World. And I think, yeah, they do do a good job of sort of showing that there's a bunch of different parts of it and stuff. That's what That's I do awesome. like about, Dra- I do like that about Dragon's World, that it's not just some sort of Star Trek-y, like, oh, this is a jungle world. Or Star Wars, you also like this. This is yeah. an ice world. It's just got ice. It's the same the whole world around. You know this. No, like, man, uh, it's got biomes. Yeah, desert plain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, someone turned up the biome button when they generated this thing in Minecraft. <laughs> um, anyway, waiting for the giant mushroom stalks. Oh, he should just travel through the underworld, man. Anyhow, oh. um, <laughs> so Johnny gets to Redport where they fish these gigantic squids and use their parts for various things, from like perfume to meat. Johnny preps up and heads to the tattoo shop, and it is indeed one of Bubba's men. Gasp! At, I love, I love the the thing where he's just he's thinking at last, and then exclaims at last. He's just like fucking <laughs> rage time. <laughs> he bursts in and grabs the tattoo guy. He like shows him his dirty work on his chest, where like he tattooed Bubba after he died. Mm-hmm. He tosses out the customer in the shop, and we learn that this dude named Tattoo was crippled by <laughs> Bubba when his tattoo needle slipped once. He Which, quickly yeah, I mean, spill- that's the kind of dude Bubba seems to be. Yeah, he doesn't leave a bad re- uh, uh, he leaves a bad Yelp review in the form of paralyzing your legs. <laughs> Only slightly worse than a zero star review. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so Tattoo spills the beans to Johnny. Bubba and the gang are a couple hundred miles away on the Cape at a, at a monastery. Is that enough to get Johnny to spare Tattoo Fox? <laughs> no chance. That's right. <laughs> then die and Tattoo pulls a gun from his chair and shoots Johnny. But, or does he? Man, Not really. Yeah, I mean, he shoots at Johnny, but he's no match because Alpha just smoothly dodges the bullet and then disarms Tattoo. He uses Alpha Vision to double check the tattoo, give him accurate information. Oh, this part's and so awesome. Freaking just kicks him real hard out the side of the window of the uh, of the tattoo parlor. He keeps rolling on his wheelchair Ugh. off the side of the cliff, falls off into the water, and is then eaten alive by the gaping <laughs> maws of the squiddly dids. Oh my god. Looks like the strong got his man. Yeah, just like I love these squids where they just got giant like uh like <laughs> Irish iris teeth and stuff like that. Yeah, man. Oh, he's having a bad time. You gotta have a giant boar for a mouth, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then Johnny very coolly just stands on the top of a cliff and surveys Tattoo getting eaten alive, which is awesome. Yeah, and then, he's powered by rage, man. And then one piece of his revenge god, and he fought for the first time in a long time. He allows himself to, re- to relax. He goes to like a hostel and like takes a hot bath and stuff. He just like mm. relaxes for a second and then like gets his rage back up. I mean, like, your time's... Like, even in the bubble bath, he's, like, squeezing a bunch of bubbles super tight in his hand. He's like, I'm gonna kill him! Murder bath! (laughs) (laughs) Right? Later, he eats dinner at the uh, the the common table of the hostel, and, like, there's seriously dudes trying to, like, 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 uh, provoke him and, like, try to, like, you know, either make conversation or get in a fight with him or something like that. I, like, don't do that to a strontium dog. He's got his guns on his person. 
Yeah, and I, but I, 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 I do like Johnny's responses just because they're very like he doesn't even say I don't want any trouble. He's just like, hey, what are you here for, Johnny? Or what are you here for, Muty? And he's like, I'm here to eat my dinner and not and uh, not deal with anybody else. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, he's just like I'm here. I'm like, what are you doing on the plane? He's like minding my own business, basically. Yeah, like fuck off. And then when things get heated, I mean, he does excuse himself and he's like, hey. Like I'm gonna leave before I like hurt somebody. So yeah, he doesn't have time for these fa- small fries. Trying to get his dander up, you know. Yeah. He he head he heads back to his room. He real he sees he's so close to Bubba, so he just he cleans his weapons, gets a good night's sleep, and heads out to kill Max. Oh, it's awesome. Next time on Strontium Dog, the little chums of Dennis. What the fuck? You'll see, chum. It's going to be real great. Dennis. Like, it's so... It's... Because you got someone named Johnny Alpha. I feel like his name is like Dennis Goodman or something. I don't know. Dennis is like a weird name for a... For like a sci-fi yeah. hero, I guess. Definitely. I'm I'm very excited for this next part, actually. And we're getting so close. Ugh. Um we got maybe like two more episodes left of Rage, I want to say, Ooh. two or three. Getting oh, very close. That. Very excited. Yeah, definitely. Oh, gonna be God. real good. It's just so good, Conrad. It's just so Absolutely. good. I like yeah. what the fuck is going on with the Rage storyline? I mean, everything, man. It's just um hardcore action, you know? Grant, Grant and speaking speaking of revenge, Fox, <laughs> it's thr- thrill to Judge Dredd. Oh God! Sometimes, like I feel like they were making some comments here. <laughs> mm. Oh, we, we kind of talked about that last. Yeah, uh, script about John Wagner and Alan Grant is TB Grover. Art about Cam Kennedy, John Higgins, Barry Kitson, and Robin Smith. Letting about Tom Frame. So we're finishing up the uh, Kenny Who uh, story from last episode. He's a uh, comic artist from Calhab who's come to Big One Publishing to sell his comic art. Last time his art was rejected at Big One. So, uh, but then a new artist called Jimmy Who, Jimmy Who, uh, with a very similar <laughs> art style started at Big One. So now Kenny's here with an axe looking for revenge. He's got an axe to grind with a computer. Ah, high five. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> He fights his way through. He grabs the publisher, who is now speaking in a whole bunch of Stan Lee-isms. Like, he's just, like he just grabs him. He's like, take me, Jimmy Who. He's like, enough said. It's truth-telling time, tiger. <laughs> Excelsior, true believers. Wow. And then he reveals that he liked Kenny's art, but of course he can't afford to pay human artists. So when Kenny dozed off because he was so tired from his uh, Atlantic trip, it's, he uh, scanned Kenny's portfolio and had one of their computer uh, artists copy it. And that's who Jimmy Who is. He's just a robot. It's like a comment on the American comic books, different than the British ones where the real artists, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I or just sort of like big companies versus small companies or That's something true. like that, I guess. That's or just true. general, like like Americanism of just, you know, not valuing anything or something. Make, like make everything a machine. Yeah, because I mean, because honestly, Kennedy does sort of go to go over to American comics. He's not long for the progs here. Mm. And he does a bunch of stuff. You know, he does a bunch of Star Wars things and stuff like that as time goes by. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, anyhow, Kenny, who, not pleased, pulls out his axe, chops up Jimmy, <laughs> and then gives the editor a Glasgow kiss, a.k.a. a headbutt, my friend. And I'm really sad that it wasn't a Bach. It was a bap. 
Definitely. He steals a power board to try to get back to the Atlantic Tunnel to escape prosecution. <laughs> and I like this because it's sort of a reference to the Midnight Surfer, which, of course, mm. Cam Kennedy drew. Uh, Kenny passes dread at immigration just before the APB comes in and he tries to leg it to the transatlantic zoom. Not a good idea. But of idea. course, Dr- yeah, dread hits him with a ricochet bullet and keeps Kenny from boarding. <laughs> dread arrests the artists. It's, t- and, uh, come on, my friend, it's time to draw some time. Ooh, <laughs> going to the cubes. Going to the cubes. But yeah, I mean, you know, it is a funny sort of a, um, I guess, comment on American art systems. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how. Like, I try to sort of see if I could find an interview with Cam Kennedy or something where I really talked about the content of this story versus mm. what he really experienced in America and had trouble finding one. Um, but it is, you know, I feel like there is a sense of, especially at this time, and we'll see it in in Prague 500, there's this sense of, um, like, American companies coming to England with deep pockets and sort of stealing people and then sort huh. of homogenizing them or making them draw superheroes and stuff. All right. That I think is sort of an under, underlying thing, I guess. Okay. <laughs> By being you know. really blatantly obvious. Yeah, exactly. We we should talk more about it at uh, Prague 500 for reasons okay. that will be clear then. Right. Um so, next up, John Higgins takes over on art. Hey, wimp! Get Russell Muscles, inflatable muscles, and get huge! This is like the second time we've seen a Russell's muscles, right? Yeah, yeah, we've seen them before um, in the, uh, in the uh, no- I think we've seen them a bunch of times, most notably in that Nosferatu story. Yeah. Write his name in blood! <laughs> um... But basically, they're a bunch of, like, semi-durable balloons that get strapped onto you that make you look super buff. They're just sort of balloon versions of uh, stuffing socks into a sweatsuit, Hans and Franz style, basically. Oh, my God. Um, And 90-pound wimp Willis Wincy gets him installed and actually managed to scare off some bullies for a minute until his biceps explode and they kick the crap out of him. I love that all of their shoes have spikes on the bottom. Definitely. Oh, they probably played hell with those inflatable muscles, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Later that night at the Mike Reed Block Wimps Club, and I tried to look up Mike Reed, but couldn't really find a good nerdy Mike Reed to figure out what this joke is. Yeah. But uh, they all decide to take re- revenge on that no-good Russell muscle. Everybody take a last knife. We're going in. <laughs> I, there's a bunch of, like, little stupid things to just show how wimpy they are. Like, he hits his hand on the desk and it hurts his hurts hand. Hurts his hand, yeah. There's a guy no. when they're picking up knives. He's like, oh, no, not me. We might hurt ourselves or something. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. Right. There, there, there are, actually, in, in, in both this one and I think in the last, in, in, in the fourth story, this one, there's a lot of little jokes going on sort of mm. in the background that, I'm, uh, I, I, that are really good but hard to sort of for me to document them all. Oh, it's all, it's all good. So just call out, call out what you like. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, the nerds sneak into Russell Muscle's like um, mansion. They're so they're such skinny wimps that they can all just fit through the bars of the gate. And I really love how uh, actually his um, Russell Muscle's mansion, the gate is shaped like words spelling out uh, Muscle Mansion, <laughs> which is really awesome. Naturally, they're spotted as they go in, and Dread is on the case. Inside the oh, mansion man. looks like there's a like they're having a big workout pool party. I know you've been to many of those, Fox. Oh. <laughs> Just lifting weights by the pool, looking all huge. I mean, who who doesn't want to go to a pool party where you and your friends just lift a ton of barbells and whatever? 
Like that just seems also, like so yeah. much fun. Also, 1986 is this idea that all that uh, nerds are all really skinny, as opposed to nowadays, where I feel like nerds are, are considered to be the opposite. You know what I'm trying yeah, to say? It does sort of have a Revenge of the Nerds feel to it. Yeah, big fat nerd like, like a common Conrad. Anyhow, um, <laughs> um, they arrive and they call out Muscle, who would get, who is of course a big old dude. The uh, the nerds lay out their case. They say they're gonna they're gonna beat him up or at least get a refund. And Muscle seems very pleased by their moxie for all this. He he hugs all ten of them at once in his massive yeah. arms. He's really And good. then just proceeds to beat the crap out of them. Dread arrives as Muscle oh, man. is I love, beating up I these love, nerds. Yeah. I love Dread's entrance, right? Because it's in such stark contrast to like the the I don't know, just a lot of the white that's being used. Him, it's mm-hmm. dark and very gritty drawn. It just shows a hand coming up over the top with a slap. Him pulling his face up and then jumping into the fucking garden. This is awesome. It's just like, yeah. oh, fuck, something sh- bad's sh- gonna happen. Shows up and says, pick on someone your own size. We, God, he's just we so also see muscle comparatively. <laughs> yeah, we also see muscle beating up all these nerds to a cartoonish degree, tying them all up in knots, bunching them up into into circles, and playing basketball with them, stuff like that. It's real awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you know, in his muscle frenzy, Russell Muscle attacks Dread, which I think we can all agree is a bad move. This, this guy's just, all just yeah. just, and because he's just all glamour muscles, bro. He's got yeah, no exactly. core strength, you know. That's what, that, that's what Dredd's about. got. <laughs> Takes him out with an eye poke, a throat chop, a ball kick, and a punch in the face. That's all it takes, dude. <laughs> it's the four step uh, process to taking down the throat chops. Really. Well, Craig goes real deep into this guy's throat when he chops. Uh, yeah, it's pretty that's... awesome. It's really, it's not comfortable to be smacked in the throat, even lightly. No. But so Russell Muscle's taken out um, the nerds, which have all, which are who are already now fully bandaged, like <laughs> like, like like mummies of bandages. They all cheer, but they're going to the cubes too. Yay! Everybody's arrested. Hooray! <laughs> I love making a clean arrest of everybody that we can get our hands on. Always. Uh, next up, Barry Kitson is drawing, and a lady has a nightmare. She's in oh, this, this funhouse mirror. This fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> She's in this, like, uh, carnival funhouse mirror thing when an evil Judge Dredd bursts through and shoots her. And, of course, she's in her uh, in her bedclothes for all this because everybody's a scumbag. Yeah. Uh, she, like, is describing this, this dream to her psychiatrist. He starts to prescribe her something. And he tells her that, like, you know, not to worry about Dredd. Everybody breaks the law sometimes. And you're damn right. Because the judges burst in the door, and they arrest this woman, Rosemary Holder, and uh, then wire her up, and then question her and ask her, what about the strawberry jam? Apparently, she dropped a small pack of jam three days ago and didn't tell anybody about it for two days. It could have been a public – it was a public nuisance. Oh, my God. (laughs) And now she's just waiting for the boom to drop and dread to arrest her. So she's all paranoid and stuff. It's really – it's just so horrible. (laughs) She's apparently about to be punished, but then she wakes up again. Third wake up. Oh, my God. So Inception. Her husband comforts her, but then he turns into Judge Dredd, and he's got a packet of jam on his head. Oh, he's out for revenge. (laughs) Finally, she wakes up again, and she's just straight-jacketed in a a padded room, and a psychiatrist, uh, like like a med tech, says that she's stuck in a nightmare loop. Oh, 
we, we, we hear the explanation to Dread, where basically there are people in Mega City 1 who get so afraid of Dread specifically that <laughs> some minor offense can send them into a spiral of guilt that quickly leads to full-blown psychosis. They call it Dread Syndrome! Oh my god. <laughs> Egypt like, really does not give a singular shit. There's a whole ward. They got a sign for it. It's so prevalent, you know? Yes. Um, thousands. They literally yeah. said thousands of people have this. Apparently, the only way to keep the whole city from eventually going insane would be to disband the judges. Uh, Dread, of course, says no dice. Things would be even worse without the judges. How do we know? Buddy, don't get yourself in trouble by asking too many questions. Oh, my God. It's, you basic, that's, that's kind of how it ends. walks off. Yeah, like, well, like, it fully ends where just, like, one of the patients go, like, gets free and starts running amok and he bumps into actual Dread and Dread's just like, that's right, I'm Dread. And the crazy guy's like, ah, no, he's here. <laughs> and like, that's it, you know. <laughs> It's just Finally. It's yeah. super dark, man. Real, it, it is real dark. Just this idea that, you know, our, our ostensible hero, Judge Dredd, is acting, you know. I mean, I I love this when they sort of present Dredd as, a, as the villain of the piece, you know. Yes, he where, is, man. Like, he often fights against worse guys, but he's not really a great guy himself. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's lawful neutral in, a, in in every way, just to get kind of D&D on you. <laughs> So, finally, uh, Nemesis is back in color, so Dread moves to the front of the comic with Robin Smith doing art. Skid Mullard has just gotten out of Isoblock 8. He's got a massive need to do some crimes. He's just, just little stuff. himself back, you know? Like, I yeah. love that he just wants to kick over the cans or draw on the thing, and he's just having such <laughs> yeah. a hard time. Kicking over cans, doing graffiti, breaking windows, vandalizing a phone. He's a petty crime addict. But he sees hope. Because he uh, and calls perp aid. Yeah, he calls in and soon an emergency car arrives to take Skid away to a place of safety where he can't commit some more crimes. I, he he but needs I it love, too. I yeah. love how they how they show up because so he calls them and they come in like a fucking screaming police car looking thing. And then just two yeah. guys come out with megaphones and start screaming at everyone. Stand back, everyone. They don't stop using the megaphones to talk to him, to talk to the they, people. They, They're just... they talk him down like he's about to jump off the side of a building or something. Yeah, you know? kind like, of. Skid Mullard, can you hear me? You don't have to commit crimes. <laughs> they go to like pull him into the car. As they do, they he tries to like knock a juve off a scuba. He's like, I gotta knock him off there. Don't get the car. He's he's <laughs> he's rushed to Perp Aid, which seems to basically be a uh, an AA style support group for people who want to avoid doing crimes. Which is amazing. It's like, hi, I'm Skid. I'm I'm a, I'm a potential perp. Hi, Skid. All that stuff. It's uh, <laughs> real good. So he tells his story, just that he's uh, he's a petty crime addict. He can't stop doing it. They they just let him out of out of the cubes, and if he goes in again, they will lobotomize him he can't help doing crime though in fact he's about to do a crime right now by spitting on the ground but with the help of the fellowship of the rest of the people in Perpade he managed to overcome his urge and he doesn't do it (gasps) everybody starts singing and and revival breaks out Skid leaves the meeting full of confidence that he can exist in the city and not re-offend and as he walks in the shadow of the Billy Graham block the uh, he heads straight into the path of Judge Dread. Oof. <laughs> Next time on the skid. Damn. 
I really like this one because it is a very like sort of like 12 like I I wish there was more like uh uh 12 steps uh jokes in here. I always appreciate oh, those. Oh yeah. Um and this sort of thing of being in a crisis and like calling AA and then coming out to get you and take you to a meeting and stuff <laughs> is is very real in terms of like what actually happens out there, you know. Yeah, so kind of. I think this is very appropriate for a city where something like we saw in the previous thing where like dropping a packet of jam and getting caught can get you sent to the cubes. The idea that, that they'd have support groups to help people overcome this kind of stress seems pretty natural. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very reasonable. And I I don't know. Like it it's half real and half hilarious if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean it, it – like all good, like like all good dread things, then takes it to the nth degree and gets really silly, <laughs> you know. It's got to be, but man. yeah. But I just love this section and like how it ends, you know, where the uh, the ominous cloud on the horizon is actually uh, the ostensible hero of the of the strip, <laughs> Judge Dread. You know, like that's pretty excellent. Oh God, so true. Oh, it's the good guy. <laughs> you know, fair. Yeah. But uh, speaking of being terrified of the heroes of a, of, a, of a Thrill Fox. Oh, my God. It's Thrill 3 Ace Trucking. Oof. Oof, buddy. Yeah. No, I got to agree. Uh, script about Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Gober. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Letting robot Tony Jacob. So, a pair of Ace Garps, ship's engineer, Feek the Freak, and jerk pirate evil guts are on the trail of a treasure. They're taking them to Moviola, the former state of California, hit by a reality bomb, and everybody thinks... They're in one movie or another. They've just left Rambo County, and now they find themselves in the jungles of a Green Berryville or something. Mm. It's the bridge over the river Kwai. Well, they just passed through there, but now they're in sort of Green Beret Town because oh, things have yeah. changed from World War II to Vietnam, basically. And then some um, things are said that make everybody feel uncomfortable. Yeah, they get captured by soldiers. Uh, Feet gets called a racial slur, and uh, which is appropriate, I guess, if you were stuck in a Vietnam era. That's in there. And uh, Evil Blood then sort of joins the madness, takes over, tries to interrogate Feek to find the location of more of Charlie's forces, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure who the leader of the Berets is supposed to be. I think it's a caricature. Yeah. But a lot of this stuff is making references to John Wayne, who was in that uh, 1968 Green Beret movie, which... I don't know if you know that one, Fox, but no. it's very weird. It's it's just rough because it's a very like patriotic World War Two style like eh. like narrative for a movie eh. about Vietnam, which like you know doesn't have that sort of a World War Two kind of reputation. No, if that makes sense. Also, it has people walking into the sunset into the, into into the or on the beach. At sunset, which isn't possible in Vietnam because the sun rises over the beach there, you know, because it's actually shot in California. <laughs> anyway, those are the two things I know. Um, but uh, so Ace Man just to trick these soldiers by basically like calling like cut and having everybody reset the shot with them holding their guns, which allows the crew to get the drop on them. Oh, they're so loyal and, dece- and lying and deceitful, downright garpy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chill out, evil guts. Um, yeah. In a stolen jeep, the crew arrives at from here at the uh, from here to eternity cemetery. There's graves for Audie Murphy and Baron von Reichthofen. Murphy was a soldier turned actor. Reichthofen, better known as the Red Baron, of course. Ah. They also walk past graves of General Custer and Hitler when they arrive at the Tomb of the Unknown Extra, which then leads to an underground tomb where Guts was planning to meet his old crewmate Dirty Sores, but instead they find his dead body, and his half of the treasure map is missing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Swords has been stabbed dead. Murder weapons still in his back. A poison pen. And uh, uh. that lets us know where to go. The home of cinema critics, Barry Normantown. Uh, and I guess, like, I mean, I, 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 I meet a lot of people who are kind of like this, or at least like I watch things where, or, or people defend people who do this. But man, like saying this is really overt, where it's just like critics just all say the same shit, and it's way easier for them to do their job than it is for ours. Not mm. really. Like criticism is a valuable thing, and it, it's just, yeah. just like this whole section came off kind of childish, if that makes. Hey man, listen. There's someone on the uh, 152nd episode of a, uh, of a of a thing criticizing a, a specific uh, <laughs> uh, 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 comic book. I feel very, uh, you know, feel very sensitive about this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I like because I well, I wouldn't call myself a critic. I mean, you you definitely come at it from like academia and actual well well understanding i mean well but like you know not to get too far into it but basically i mean we're here and we're sort of reviewing and talking about it you know that's true i feel i feel like sometimes sort of like looking at something critically means to look at it negatively as opposed to just sort of taking a look Mm. at it and trying to describe why we like it or why we don't like it and that's sort of you know i I describe that as 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 criticism and that's yeah. what we're doing here. So whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I don't know how many people have read 482 issues of this comic, but from what I can understand, it's not a whole shitload of people, right? It's I think it's like a fair amount. Time. Well, I, I just don't mean it's like, you but, know, it's not a billion, right? No. So, you know, I, I feel I mean, like we've got a voice. And I'd say we're we're reading it cl- more closely than a lot of people. I mean, we're definitely reading. I, I'm definitely reading these comics more closely now than I was the first time I read them. For instance, oh, oh God! I mean, I remember um, the first episode. I was just like, dinosaurs are eating people, and that shit's oh, yeah. cool. And then, and we've also gotten close. Yeah, and we've also <laughs> sort of paid, started paying attention more for sure. But I'm just saying that, like, I I didn't really even read a scarf that much the first time. So mm. this is I'm just t- taking a look at it anyway. Yeah, that's true. All right, yeah. digression over. <laughs> No, it's fine. I, I think it's good. Yeah, so we're at Barry Norman Town. Barry Norman was a famous British uh, British uh, c- cinema critic. We last saw a parody of him in uh, DR and Quinch Go to Hollywood. So it's sort of a go-to joke here. Okay. Um, I guess there's a lot of, of caricatures of various critics here. I'm pretty sure. There's all, But there's also critics as like vultures, eggheads, guys with two eye patches, yeah. things like that. They're doing a lot of like 1986 movie references about like Barbara Streisand's nose or Ben Kingsley as Gandhi, etc. Uh, okay. Evil Gut starts like like attacking them. One basically like who 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 killed Dirtosaurs? The word Parker is written on the pen that they've got, and uh, he starts asking a random critic for someone named Parker. Is it Dorothy Parker? I Dorothy Parker. Dorothy Parker, of course, a uh, uh, early female critic, member of the Algonquin Roundtable, things like that. Okay. Anyhow, I, there's at least a hundred. Don't know. Yeah, there's at least a hundred Dorothy Parkers or Duh Dorothy Parkers in Barry Normantown. <laughs> Guts decides to use themselves as baits to draw out the killer, and they head to the Critics' Choice Bar to do so. Where I guess so, you have to have a microphone, and also talk like an asshole in it. Yeah, just be, be asshole, be 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 uh, criticizing with some hot zingers as you go in, because that's mm. what it is. Yeah, the bar is full of critics eating and drinking, dropping stone cold burns on various movies. <laughs> There's a, I do like there is a joke about uh, a remake of The Sound of Music that's pretty funny. Like wow. with enough na- with enough machine guns and nail and, and napalm, they solve a problem like Maria in the first five minutes. Um, <laughs> 
They also make fun of of, uh, of uh, Schwarzenegger and Commando, which is uncalled mm. for. Yeah, like that one. Yeah, the Commando's <laughs> like the, that's the awesome one. I mean, like it's not like art, but it is, or at least like you know, it, it's mean, the art of the crazy high high impact action movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, RoboCop. <laughs> fuck, that's art. Yep. Uh, hey, listen, like no disagreement for me. Uh, the uh, crew is stopped by a bouncer, but gets bounced himself by evil guts, and then <laughs> criticized. And then this barroom brawl is criticized by the critics. Blood demands no uh. more criticism and instead demands the location of D- D- Dorothy Parker and uh, the other half of his map. The crew sits down and waits for the, th- that critic to arrive. And Ace complains that he's becoming a minor character in his own story. Like, that's basically the first thing he said in two issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that you lampshade it doesn't actually fix the problem, buddy. That's all I'm trying no. to say. No, uh, thank you. <laughs> not content to complain, though, the Ace decide to take their, their, uh, their problems to a higher power and summon Tharg to adjudicate the situation. Mm. Which, ooh, don't like this. i gotta say yeah um, no not a fan tharg shows up he knocks out guts but also tells the garps to just stick to the script and play things straight or they'll end up an oink and uh suddenly the crew is met by a filmmaker melvin bargs who wants to put the aces in pictures he toasts their future success orders a mac mac all around but then distracts them and poisons their drink the crew's The crew soon passes out, and that no-good Barg steals their treasure map, and now he's got both parts. Next time, scene nine, Chevy Chase. Does that mean there's going to be, like, some, uh, whatever, insert Chevy Chase joke from when he was extra weird? Some, uh, some, if, 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 if they're going to be fletching after them? Oh, wow. If they're about ready to go on a vacation? Yeah. (laughs) All right. God damn it. Well, them and them and his, uh, the three amigos. Right? Yeah, if they're going to get their Caddyshack back. Oh, wow. Anyway, um, I got to say, man, um, this is suffering from that Dash Decent pro- or the, uh, sorry, the, uh, what was that one? God damn it. <laughs> yeah, the Dash Decent problem, which yep. is, um, the problem with saying that something is, is, uh, isn't funny, does, it makes it rough when things aren't funny. You know? That's, so- that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. It's just, it's so, uh, and there's just so many words, Conrad. Like, yeah, there's just not a lot happening, uh, and they have to say a lot of things. And I guess, mm-hmm. like, I'm just not invested in even what's going on. And it's just the caricatures and like the the wink nudge jokes, which is fine. But it's just like that's all it is. So that's like kind of empty, you know? Yeah, it's not. It's it, it's not doing it for me. I gotta say. No. And uh, mind you, this, ready, is, yeah. this is a comic that like. It has a fantastic yuck capability, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen. No, we've yeah, much we've liked Dave Scarf in the past for sure. It's a real bummer to kind of get to this point where it's like, yep, all right, like I'm laughing, but it's a laugh of impatience. You know? <laughs> it's a nervous laugh where it's like, please, please uh, finish your weird racial joke so you can not tell the joke anymore, and I can go on not thinking about it. It is rough stuff for sure. All right. <laughs> and speaking of things staying rough, Fox. Oh, God damn it. It's non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. <sighs> There's going to be another one after this, too, and then it's fine, I guess, for a while. <laughs> Prog 479. I'll give you a slice of the action, Billy Bones. Yep. Fika's in trouble. 
no head head as evil guts <laughs> threatens to cut his noggin off on the Spelladronelli cover. Mm. In the nerve center, Max Tharg, another Beyond Thunderdome reference, uh, plugs best of 2080 monthly 11. There's an amazing picture of ZZ Bellardinelli. Yes. And letters asking for different 2080 free gifts like uh, key rings or tea towels, direct tea uh, towels. translations of, which is just like, I don't know. Yeah. Like a small towel kind of thing. Okay. Um, there's also like a, a translation of demon summoning words, complaints about the cost of the prog on Neptune. Okay. Then mid-prog, there's a reprint of the Judge Dread Waterwise code. Again, it's the Blue Cross code, buddy. Anyway, Stop it. No, never. Prog 480. Hey, skinny, check out Russell's inflatable muscles. You can look uh, like a weirdo. Yeah, John Higgins suggests we get a Mega City chic physique. In the nerve center, we learn it's an all-reader art extravaganza with, oh a, ha- with a Judge Halo Jones. So awesome. Nice ne- yeah, definitely. There's a very nice Nemesis and Purity picture, a big Apocalypse War group shot, a mm. mounted riot patrol officer guy, and Tharg, <laughs> the button man. Bad City Green! Wow. Mid-prod, there's a big old picture of uh, the character Armageddon from Metal Zoic. I'm not responsible for my actions. I should never have been built. He looks awesome. I Metal like Zoic razor starts, blade, um, uh, uh, like like ankles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and head. I guess. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> totally. Metal Zoic starts next episode. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay. Uh, well, that's there's a good also thing. some. Yeah, there's a real cool uh, full page spread from Robin Smith called "Spot the Perp." It's a massive street scene. We're supposed to just sort of pick out the uh, the person who's breaking the law. It's but all of them. I think, yeah, literally every single person in this scene, in the street scene, is breaking the law. And I think also many of the walls are because they have um, ads for stuff with like Judge Dredd says, "Eat, eat, eat this" or something, which is also yeah. illegal. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, there's and. And, and that's reflected in the key later. It just lists what everybody's crimes are. There's also a sweet color ad for the Karate Kid Part 2 movie. Yeah! Spin around like those drums. <laughs> Prog 481. Celebration's over. Now get back to work. <laughs> Ian Gibson draws himself and the Alan Moore droid getting yelled at by Tharg for celebrating their Eagle Award win. I feel in- like... That's uncalled yeah. for. Seriously. And they, they aren't even doing anything recently. Yeah. In the Nerve Center, Tharg the Twit has more info. Basically, the 1986 Eagle Awards are in for stuff done in 1985. 2008 did pretty well in the uh, British comics section. They won Best Comic. Nemesis Book 3 and the 86 Ooh. Annuals were the top comic albums. Uh, Halo Jones was top character. Torquemada top villain. Favorite single story was Halo Jones Book Two. And yeah. the runners up actually were uh, the uh, were Midnight Surfer and Dr. and Quinch get back to nature from the Sci-Fi Special. Ooh. So those ones were 2080 like 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 ran the category basically. Cool. Um, also, a lot of nominations for uh, Alan Moore's Captain Britain work in these Eagle Awards as well. Just FYI. On the American side, of course, there's a lot of love for Crisis on Infinite Earths and Alan Moore's Swamp Thing stuff. Because we're just sort of like in peak Alan Moore at this point and only getting more <laughs> into it in 86, like like, like w- when Watchmen starts coming out, you know? Time to um, completely crush uh, the entire comic book industry by making a dark and gritty thing riddled with details and interesting scenes only to have all of your work copied 
uh, in the wrong ways by a bunch of artists who think that shoulder pads and muscles are all you need for a comic. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we'll feel the effects of Watchmen's our, of Watchmen ourselves in '87 as we get our first uh, big superhero comic in 2008. Ooh, really? Okay. More on that later. Fuck. Also in the Nerve Center, there's a picture of Doctor Elfric of Saint Elsewhere. Ah, ah, ah. That's pretty good. And letters complimenting the new non-Ron Smith multi-part Daily Star Dread strips, the mm-hmm. some be- some Beetlejuicean phraseology, and there's requests for locations of a comic book shop in Derby. Apparently, the closest one is in Nottingham, which is just English stuff. But I love this uh, <laughs> like pre-internet things where if you wanted to find a comic book shop, you would write into a comic and hope that they'd print your letter to find oh. the address of a comic book shop. God, <laughs> instead of just being like put into google or something it's terrifying yeah there's also a recipe for to kill thrill suckers which involves uh, a prog a lot of tape and a and a baseball bat okay (laughs) there's a uh later in the in in the issue there's a big feature again on the eagles award on the eagle awards they sort that they include alan moore as best writer as part of uh 2000 ad's like awards basically but Mm. i'm sort of disputing that there because if you look at the awards they're on like wikipedia the uh the winners like alan moore is also in there a lot for stuff he did on warrior like v for vendetta and for Mm. captain britain so i feel like he's just in there just all over the place it's hard to say that that's a 2000 ad win is what i'm trying to say yeah um, there's also another full page ad for Metal Zoic this prog, which I'm really, um, I'm really stoked for this crazy shit, Fox. It's gonna be real good. <laughs> okay, I dude, the and more that you're talking about it, the more I'm getting amped. Plus, there was a giant yeah, it, robot, so I'm it's into just, that. It's it's just Kev O'Neill. It's it's a Kev O'Neill art and Pat Mills writing Ooh. with just like crazy robot animals doing crazy doing crazy stuff. Oh, I'm into that. There's also a, an ad for the new upcoming Nemesis story. We're on, and you know, between those two, we're gonna have at least a couple of weeks of, a, of another Pat Mills Power Hour, going back way back to the dawn of Slain. <laughs> uh, the comic ends with an ad for the final issue of Dice Man. Only uh, two. This is issue four. There's only two stories in it: one for Slain and one for the Dice Man himself. Okay. Finally, in 482, it's Britain's number one villain. Brian Talbot draws a very scary but still normal Torquemada. It's an interesting change from the one with all the face worms that Kev O'Neill drew a couple years back. <laughs> oh, oh man, he got so goopy. Yeah, face worms and extra mouths is a real before and after oh, shot. You yeah. know. Ugh. Inside Tharg's uh, Tharg's super shock, him getting his hair cut, introduces us to a new nemesis story called Torque and Murder and plugs the 2080 Monthly 12 and Dice Man 4. There's also another Dread's dark secret this time that he's a Vivian Bastard from the Young Ones TV show. And letters defend the coolness of teachers, report on an inability to find the Mutants Mega City One album in Middlesex, and a reader moving to China is worried about being able to keep getting thrill power. Wow. Um, Mid Prague, there's a preview page saying that you'll get that next week you'll get a free copy of Oink with the Prague and Metal Zoic's mm. beginning with again preview of that. Um and it's crazy stuff. Is Oink how is Oink doing? I mean <laughs> I it's gonna giving a free one away. It's fun yeah, they're giving a free one away and they're making fun of it in um in Ace Trucking. But I think yeah. it goes about 80 issues, so I think it's, it'll last a little while, but not okay. not a super long while. So. Yeah. And speaking of the first half of the Pat Mills Power Hour, Fox, <laughs> it's Thrill 4, Nemesis the Warlock. 
man, you're really just saving the garbage heap for last. <laughs> trying to backload here, folks, you know. Um, and because, you know, sooner or later sort of is in the back of the prog every time. So it only makes sense to put it in the back of the uh, of the show. Yeah. Uh, I know. So I mean, about, I, anything that gets me to Nemesis the Warlock makes me happy. Indeed. Uh, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Brian Talbot, lettering robot Steve Potter, book six of Nemesis, Torque of Murder. And, and man, oh man, the uh, conventions are not different in the future than they are now. No, we start just at uh, Torquemadacon. I, I, they don't really say what the con is called, which I, I'm bummed by. Yeah. But it's a big Torquemada convention. It's full of merch and costumes and cool stuff for both Torquemada and Candida. There's like, I like this splash page is really great. And just you can spend a lot of time just looking at it to find all the different booths and buttons people are wearing and costumes and stuff like that. It's really awesome. My, my favorite poster in the back it, it's basically the alien poster, but the mm-hmm. text says, in space, no one can hear you kill any. <laughs> yeah, I, I just said kill any aliens. <laughs> or, yeah, kill yeah. any aliens. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I like that one. I like the big buff, like just giant Torquemada statue with his shirt off in the back. And they're um, selling it. It's like only yeah. some obscene amount of money. And, uh, and and the Candida wigs are pretty funny as well. It's oh, all it's great. all really good. Um, it really is Torquemadacon. Yeah. Looking down on this scene is Dr- Grand Dragon Mazarin, the uh, guy who's taken over the rulership of Earth when, since Torquemada has died. As we know, he's gone soft on aliens for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's planning to take down the resurrected Torquemada before he can be taken down in turn. That seems like a pretty good plan. So time to call in the Arch Bigot, possibly one of the coolest, most horrible names I've ever heard in this entire comic. <laughs> yeah, well, he's about to head through the time waste. So we need somebody to mind the shop while he's gone. So he calls in, yeah, the, the arch bigot of Necropolis. Um, and he's got the, he's got the clipped speech patterns of a South African, if you know what I mean. Although mm-hmm. he does appear to in fact be a black dude <laughs> under his mask. Yeah. It's a little, class- it's a little bizarre, but I, yeah. like also, uh, I, I love that they, they employ a, uh, a spinster. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's oh, so Wait. great. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, like I mean, honestly, we're about in Torque, like in Nemesis, we're about to get a lot of, of uh, big discussions about like uh, about, about like race and other things, like and and like hate and, and like how hatred is mobilized and stuff. Yeah, um, both here and in sort of some some uh, some some tricks that uh, Thoth is going to do. But basically, mm. um, the Arch Bigot explains that people have to hate something, and that the big failure of Torquemada was that he decided to hate aliens who were really tough and fought back. It's much better to have everybody hate things that can't fight back. And oh. he suggests that they pivot from aliens to freckled people, frecks of the new deviants. And, like, he then just immediately goes into, like, a crazy hate speech and, like, just whips himself into his own fury of bigotry. It was, it's just kind of impressive how quickly but he, also he talks about, does that. Yeah, and he talks about ginning up crime statistics to show that freckled peoples yeah. are doing a lot of crimes. A lot of stuff that feels 
like familiar. Like I yeah. don't want to. I don't want to talk about politics in this podcast box. But you know, it's getting it, close, it, man. You know, like you can sort of see see what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because he talks about how they're going to roll out the freckled people or the new deviants thing after they've made sure that everybody in top positions have had their freckles removed. And you like see the Grand Dragon checking his face to see if he has any freckles, sort of as the Grand as the Arch Bigot goes into this stuff. Ugh. Um. It's real crazy. And meanwhile, on the floor of the convention, Nostradamus, Torquemada's deformed brother, uh, pretending to be his, his grandfather, is going nuts, claiming a life-sized Candida blow-up doll for his own, but he's not Ew. paying. Yeah, real gross. <laughs> real gross. This causes a fight to break out, which the Grand Dragon cools down, and with the doll in hand, they're ready to head out to the time waste to take take down Torquemada, though Nostradamus demands the pleasure of killing Torquemada himself. God, he is real gross. Yeah, he's just real, like, melty, and he's got a lot of those, uh, like, Jonah Hex style, like, pieces of flesh oh, across, yeah. like, stuff, but yeah. they're across his eyes instead of his yeah. mouth, so it's even worse it's, somehow. Oh, it's real, uh, yes, that exactly... <laughs> The weird yeah. goopy eye, uh, but uh, then and the rest of his ma- the, the rest of his face is just kind of like like a, like hamburger meat basically, but like old <laughs> gross hamburger meat is what I want to say. It's real bad. It's like if you made a weird skull face out of hamburger. Yeah, or like just like if you had like hamburger helper, but then sort of like just left oh. it in a bag for like a month, oh, you know, oh, and then came uh, back to it and got all bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, next time, the, the the wedding secret of Torque and Candy. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, snap. What's it going to be? Yeah. Probably that their brother or his brother is not his grandfather. Well, I mean, we already knew that. The actual secret is that uh, Candida's got a bomb in her head. Oh, don't kiss her or she'll explode. What? <laughs> Spoilers for next week. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not even that big a deal in the course of the case. <laughs> So I don't feel that bad about revealing it. It's sort of mentioned in casual conversation. It's cool. Oh my god! All right. Yeah, you were gonna find out eventually, Fox. And speaking of things that are gonna happen sooner or later, it's thrill five sooner or later. <laughs> really well done. Just feel real good about them sometimes, Fox. Oh man, your, okay. Your transition game, man. It's real good. That's all I got. Uh, robot Peter wow. Milligan. Art robot Brendan McCarthy, letting robot Tom Frame. All right, man. Some of these, mm-hmm. some of these sooner or later's are are quicker to recap than others. So, oh God, battle has commenced on the food mountains of Ether City, and your buddy time traveler Michael Swifty Swift is among the fighters. The hors d'oeuvres are exploding. Watch out for pot noodles. There's one thing I love about British comedy that's is its continued contempt for pot noodles, which is a big thing in uh, in, in Red Dwarf also. Huh. Um, I always think of them as like a cup of noodles or whatever. Yeah. The, like the things with 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 the ramen things in them. Anyway, they're fine. Yeah. At last, they reach the top of the food mountain, and despite being surrounded by cans of this stuff, it all it just all doesn't add up to a hill of beans. Mm. <laughs> oh my god. There's no time to rejoice, though, as Swifty is attacked by the job finder general, prepared to be interviewed to death. All right. Yeah. So the job finder prepares to interview and then eventually kills Swifty um, as a true job finder general must, I guess. I don't know. I was hoping uh, sure. they'd toss in some, like, interview questions in here. Just sort of ask how you'd figure out the surface area of a jumbo jet 
Or like you've got some switches and there's some light bulbs in a different room and how do you figure out which switch controls what light or whatever. Um, yeah, that but kind instead of you just throw him in a room and I guess he's going to die maybe. And then all hell breaks loose because it's Sweeney's boys, the Todds. Okay then, look at that Swifty, just get cleared up. Yep, Swifty wakes up to find himself in a uh, hair in like a salon chair in Sweeney Todd's lair. Uh, Todd himself, a fat Elvis, if I ever saw one, mm-hmm. knows that Swifty is the one true job seeker and offers him a job, the job, which is a seat on the board of Waste Disposal Inc., which is the company that bought off England and turned into a big dump, etc. Um, be Sweeney's puppet on the board or he'll eat your spleen. All right, I'll agree. Yeah, seems like the only logical choice in that regard. Indeed, Swifty has joined the the uh, Sweeney's. He gets a fake pompadour coif fitted onto him. It's just like a big rubber thing, kind of. Yeah. And then goes to dance with a girl named Sharon. Swifty's <laughs> Sweeney handler, Errol, gives him some poor advice, which is, you know, sort of, oh, ignore the bird and she'll flock right to you. Treat her like dirt and she'll stick to you like it. Yeah, and it seems like to weird. work. Oh, yeah. Uh, whatever. Um, next time. Not what I would have suggested. Next time, having the foggiest. Neither do I. Yeah, I don't know, man. This is kind of, like, the art is amazing here. It's yeah. very, like, like I really like it. Like, McCarthy just draws this, um, like, impressionistic, insanity. like, mindscape insanity kind of stuff that's mm-hmm. really good. Um, I feel like the plot and the story are really, like, not bringing me into the into the tent. Uh, you know what i mean like what's I, I mean what's going on why like i don't know yeah exactly i just feel like it's not doing the best uh the best job of things no but it is gorgeous yeah definitely i feel like that's the big saving grace of it at the moment i think things might i've re- i've read the rest of like i've been reading ahead so i feel like things get a little bit more coherent as time goes by okay and kind, and becomes kind of a a criticism of politics and other things like that that I think are good. This early part, not as good. That's what I'll say. <laughs> ropey. It's very ropey. That feels right. Anyway, speaking of ropey parts of the of the comics, Fox. Ooh. It's Thrill Six Future Shocks. <sighs> yeah, as we wait for Nemesis and Metal Zoic to come online, we do have several progs with two future shocks in them. Lot coming up here. So let's God just shoot me. (laughs) So first up, it's Danger, Genius at Work, a script about Grant Morrison, art about Steve Dillon, learning about Richard Starkings. Been a while since we had Steve Dillon back, or doing art. I think the last time we saw him was like for Christmas '85, I think, for that Dread story. Um, Anyway. In the far future, all humans are equal and named either Terry or June. But Thelophilius Pritt has broken the, the, uh, the laws of weight, dress, and intelligence. And indeed, he pleads intelligence to these crimes. He's super smart. And that makes Terry the equality policeman angry. They all right. caught up. Yeah. Earlier, they caught up to, to Theophilius. And they found that he just designed a crossing light that actually allowed people to cross the street safely instead of having to run. He, they also sort of investigate him further and find that he's, his house is actual graph instead of astroturf. Ooh, that guy. Uh. The officer, officers Terry burst in and arrest him for being all smart and a jerk. <laughs> um, basically, in this world, there's no achievement or progress. Instead, everyone 
is exactly the same, and the world is stable and also peaceful and pleasant, and that's pretty nice. Uh, Theo is dragged to a ter- is found guilty and dragged to a terrifying device called the Equalizer. Soon, Theophilius is just another dumb Terry, and all of his in- inventions are burned. But as Terry, the equality policeman, clears clears things up, he finds a mouse trap and thinks up an idea for a new one. Oh, he's making making inventions himself. He's in trouble. Uh I mean, it's it's an interesting premise that I feel like has maybe been done in some kind of way. I couldn't think of anything particularly, but I mean, not in two thousand AD, but it, no, it's no, very no, no, similar. No. It's very similar to the Kurt Vonnegut story, uh, Harrison Bergeron, ah, okay. which was was all about like um, I remember it being about a world where everything's equal, but so they do it through handicapping. So yeah. like the so like everybody has to so like they're at the Olympics and everybody is running the same speed and if you can run faster they like put sandbags on you so you run slow until you run at the speed <laughs> they want everybody to run at and stuff like that. That's fantastic. And etc. Um, but yeah, you know, fine, whatever. I I wish there was more like the uh, the the build a better mousetrap end was okay, but I wish there was more of like a, a twist, I guess. Um, anyhow. Uh, yes. Daffy, da- Daffy David, uh, <laughs> script robot, Ola Stepanook, art robot, Mark Dunn, letter about Tom Frame. And I believe this is Mark Dunn's only, uh, work for 2000 AD. He's got a very huh. distinctive look. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, basic thing, a fantasy realm, a wizard and a soldier have to, and a knight have to duel to decide who gets fired. The wizard needs to find a powerful weapon and summons one from the future. He warps a uh, soldier attacking the Germans on D-Day and steals his Tommy gun, sending him back to be killed by this no good Krauts. On the day of the Whoa. duel, it's sword versus gun, but the wizard accidentally blows his own face off. Always consult your future weapons owner's manual. Shot himself in the face, and that's two down, like a hundred more to go. Auto-fired himself in the face, yeah. Um, Next up, story called Ten. Script robot David Pugh as Pugh Rogan. Art robot David Pugh, letter robot Tom Frame. And it's cool to see artist David Pugh from, like, uh, Tomb of Terror and and other slain stuff, writing as well as drawing. This one's kind of weird, though. In 2049, Hamburg. It's a kill zone patrolled by light slingers like Norton T.T. James, a nice guy with a fast draw. The city's deserted when a tanker full of poison gas killed most of the city and the world then outlawed and destroyed all guns and everybody instead uses lasers that only hurt you if they hit this target plate. So TT's basically covered and everybody else who, who shoots guns for a living basically are covered in these laser tag kind of devices all over their body. Which, with I mean, laser tag to settle wars sounds kind of cool, except you definitely yeah. die. Yeah, they've got numbers on him. So, like, he's got, like, a 2 on his shoulder, a 5 on his chest, and a 10 on his forehead. And if you get hit in the plate, you get hurt or even killed, basically. Uh, and they're lasers, so that's why they call them light slingers. All right. So, um, <laughs> TT is patrolling the city, following his heartbeat sensor. He comes across a scavenger and chews him off, then takes down his target. And basically, you get, like, points as a light slinger for every person that you take down. Like, the uh, the target you hit is how many points you get. And TT has just crossed the thousand-point threshold. He goes to celebrate when he hears another heartbeat coming. He's worried he's going to lose his score and be killed, so he shoots. So he basically goes to investigate the heartbeat. And then as soon as he sees somebody, he shoots them, not realizing that it's his own reflection. And the laser from the laser gun reflects off this mirror and hits him right in the forehead and kills him. Great. <laughs> TT's taken himself out. These scavengers now in on the Lightslinger gang game, having stolen the other guy's boots. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah, all right, it's fine. 
right, next up. Oh yeah, this Wheel- is the yeah. this is the in love with your car thing. That's right, buddy. Wheels of Fury, uh, script robot Grant out. Morrison, art robot Jeff Senior, lettering robot Tom Frame. Ooh, this one is a long one, Fox. And I it's win- my car by Queen. Oh, it's, it's been out already. Yeah, yeah, so no, definitely because I'm surprised they didn't make out- any of those jokes. <laughs> I mostly know. I, I only really learned that song from that Bohemian Rhapsody movie where they kept talking about it, you know. Mm. But definitely a thing. Um, anyhow, so it's your basic man falls in love with a robot story. Uh, a guy named Benny <laughs> buys an AR, an AI car, Laverne falls in love with it, but he's got a wandering eye for another man's car named Shirley. Ah, 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 ah. Um, he's not a one-car guy, and it turns out that these cars should be called Thelma and Louise because Laverne ditches Benny in the desert and then drives off a cliff, killing <sighs> herself. I mean, luckily, Benny has planned for this and arranged for Laverne to track him and pick him up. She arrives as Benny thinks of uh, having sex with a cute moped he saw the other day, which sounds like it could be illegal in this <laughs> car fucking car, uh, culture i don't know how it works yeah um, that could be benny an underage out. moped yeah suddenly benny realizes there's something there's someone else in the car it's the car's real owner dave and he's dead uh benny is caught in shirley's seatbelts and choked to death as we learn the truth laverne was shirley's sister as we learn the truth they needed two extra pages so we learn the truth. Don't fuck cars. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like it a pretty got, obvious moral to me, Fox. This is this is the only one that I liked, by the way, because it gets real weird. It gets it gets like Fox comedy weird. Gets real crazy. Um, final story. Curse your lucky star. Ah, uh, dumb. Yep, script robot Grant Morrison, art robot Barry Kitts, and letter robot Mark King. It's 21-28, and Jerry Chance, the luckiest man in the world, is being shot into space. But a scientist guy sees some photographs and then runs out. He's got to stop them. Also, Haley, also Haley's Comet is flying by. The rocket takes off, and we learn about Jeremy Chance. Basically, um, he's just had a weird life. The doctor that would have delivered him at, um, fr- from his from his mom di- um, died on the way to the hospital. But he also had this alien virus that would have killed Chance as a, as an infant. And basically, we learn that Chance is super lucky, but his luck comes at the expense of others. So you know, he like you know will has to sit somewhere else because his usual seat, like the wall, collapses on it and kills the kid that 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 that, that sat there instead. Or so, uh, so his yeah. business partner dies and he gets he inherits the company, basically stuff like that. So before we get to the twist, this is where this could have turned and it would have been fine, right? Because like mm-hmm. the whole thing is like the 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 guy is getting shot into space, so the doctor's like, oh, I've got to get to mission control. Like him just having thought, like maybe okay, so. Like, bad things are always happening to other people, and if we send this dude into space, that shoots him into space, likelihood is something bad's going to happen to us, right? Like, the Earth is going to explode or something. But instead, it they, like, wrap it in, I mean, yeah, in the whole thing, I'll let you get to it, which was just like, what? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. <sighs> it's just dumb. Anyway, please. Okay, um... Yeah, so they study his luck powers and all that <laughs> stuff, and it seems like now his powers are starting to cause disasters for him to be the last survivor of. We see a big earthquake that destroys everything except for him, basically. Mm. Um, and it's just like, they gotta get rid of this guy. Rather than let him destroy the Earth, they decide to have him cryo-frozen and shot into space. 
But when the rocket takes off, it almost hits a rogue space cruiser, but with no other choice, it just uh, disappears into time and space. Okay. At the same time, the scientist shows up with pictures of the inside of Haley Com- of a Haley's Comet, and we, you know, get a quick re- recap of the comet as a harbinger of doom coming during the Battle of Hastings, World War One, several nuclear accidents, and even World War Three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one of those Law of Three jokes. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> the photos reveal the truth that uh, Chance's shuttle must have warped back in time, and it's in the heart of Haley's Comet. Somehow. His- yeah, his power's been growing for thousands of years, and now the comet is heading right for it. The world is destroyed. The last survivor is Jeremy Chance. Okay, then. Yeah, fair enough. We're all dead. That's how it goes. <laughs> I'm really glad that we got there. I mean, it, the one thing I will say is the uh, exploding Earth imagery at the end looks really awesome. Really yeah, cool. fun art, and I kind of, you know, I do like it when they bring things around and have these kind of just-so stories for um, sure. stuff. How we, Whether it's Haley's Comet being um, being the luckiest man on Earth doomed to travel the spaceways for the rest of eternity, Ugh. or various, astro- um, you know, sky bodies being time travelers messing things up being <laughs> be it go trying to see jesus's birth or um like the, the Tung- tunguska event or whatever so that's all oh fun. yeah but in the end a lot for not that much i guess i don't know anyhow it really it really is just so much <laughs> anyhow fox Oh With man! All that done. I have one question for you, which is: What were your top and bottom thrills for this Prog four seventy nine to four eighty two, July and August nineteen eighty six? I don't think that it's going to come as much of a surprise as to what the top is. Strontium Dog remains strong in its fucking full blown rage. I'm loving this rampage, man! I love a good rampage. It's still rampaging. Guys, nice. fucking kicked. A, a wheelchair mutant off of a cliff into the mouth of a fucking giant squintopus. Like, that was that was awesome. Like, everything about this comic, it's so well done in, like, in its pithiness when it's saying nothing. <laughs> if that makes sense, right? Like, it's got a lot of attitude that I really appreciate, and it's really <laughs> brisk with, with words, and instead using words to impactful when you're using them. Um, yeah, I just like standing, standing fucking ovation once again for Strunking Dog. For Bottom Man, it's kind of a toss up here. Like, Ace Trucking's been the whipping boy, but we had a shitload of not like thrilling fucking whatever. But the, or, or oh God, what am I saying? Future Shocks? Um, mm-hmm. But because Wheels of Fury was something that I genuinely laughed at as a concept. Um, I'm gonna throw Ace Trucking under the bus again, cause man, get out of here, please. I am done. We are all tired. It feels like you're tired too. Maybe you need a nap. Um, <laughs> take a break. You don't have to be here all the time trying to be funny. It's fine. <laughs> Fair um, enough. So Conrad, what were your talking about? Oh man. Um, let's see. I think I'm going to agree with you, Fox, actually. Um, yeah? Yeah. I grow weary of ace trucking, I gotta say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially this part. Like, I don't know. I really hate, like, the um, like the lampshading and fourth wall breaking I thought was cool to bring ace back to life for a second. Like, I thought yeah. that was pretty good. Um, just of, like, how are we going to do it? Pff, I don't know. Just have Tharg toss him back in. I thought that was good. 
Um, I don't, but now I'm souring on it because I feel like it's given them this ability to be able to talk to Tharg in here. You know, they did it yeah. during the uh, d- during the chicken storyline too, and I just I don't like it very yeah. much in stories. <laughs> It, well, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. And it's like you use the trick once. Like it's a get out of jail free card, not a like lean on the crutch kind of situation. You but know? I especially don't like when the joke ends up being like, hey, there's a big there's a flaw with this story. You know, like that, mm. that was a big thing in Dash Decent. I didn't like I don't like it here either, where it's like, hey, like actually like the like the Ace Garp is a pretty small store, small role in this story that's ostensibly about him. Like, oh, let's make that the joke. <laughs> As opposed to like, oh, let's make the story like let's just fix that problem. You know what yeah, I mean? which which seems like the more important problem to fix. Yeah, but I don't know, whatever. But counterpoint, ooh, that rage is so good, fucks. Oh, um, it's real great. Um, just yeah, I mean we we've talked about it ad nauseum. Like the the Ascara's uh, art is really visceral and awesome. I love like the writing style and how. Um, and how like Johnny Alpha seems so focused on things. It's all really great. Yeah, um, it's all real good stuff. I'm really excited about just continuing this story. I can't like again. It's one of these things where I've been tr- like, you know, generally I, I try not to read ahead too much because I get too confused about <laughs> what we're talking about when we're doing the show versus what's happened next and stuff. Sure. Um, but both like Halo Jones and Rage really both kind of got me reading oh, ahead I mean. a lot. <laughs> In this I, year. I fully understand why you just would to do that. S- yeah, just to see what's, j- just to get to what's coming next and feeling the satisfaction of these stories because they're so well written. The art's so amazing and it's all so great. I mean, it, it goes, it, or it should say something to people. Like, if people are rereading along or if people are doing a prog slug with us and might not mm-hmm. have read some of these, like, this is, this is a Strontium Dog story that I would feel pretty good about giving people with like a with like a two sentence thing that they had to know before going in you know Mm -hmm. wolf was his partner he was a really cool awesome guy which is why this thing is happening now read this you know because like it you could almost you could almost read this alone and kind of get strontium dog real it's just such a well-crafted story and such a well like made comic yeah i mean you just kind of would have to explain just sort of a little bit of like uh it's the future there's mutants or something like that but otherwise i think yeah it'd be real good man uh, yeah this is just a great story and you know i'm just really excited that we're getting through it and we're just you know, <laughs> I, man i just i i can't wait to read more of it i love doing it i'm sad that it's at the beginning because i want to save all the good shit for the end if that makes sense <laughs> I mean, we're like halfway through Rage at this point, I'd say. Man, that's so much more Rage to go. Because, like, yeah, because, I mean, like, just to, I don't know, to to tease you a little bit, like, (sighs) the way that Johnny goes after Max Bubba and the top gang members takes a couple progs, and it's real satisfying. You know what I mean? Oh, I like that. Oh, that's So, so great. So look forward to that. That's what I'm trying to say. You got me so fucking excited right now. Yeah, buddy. All right. Let's get, you know, be there soon enough. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or on our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. Then, come back next time.
as Dread heads to Atlantis, Ace Trucking bends reality, Johnny Alpha makes some new chums, Nemesis heads to the end of time, and the new Pat Mills and Kev O'Neill epic Metal Zoic begins, and it's going to blow your mind. Awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, pretty exciting. Until then, I'm Conrad and Spock, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spongy 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 Spongy